Welcome to the Race to 270, our weekly guide to the inner workings of the Roy family. I am brought forth by the great sweetness of the virtue of the combined wisdom of hey, the good hey. people of this republic. Whoa. Zachary Shevich. <laughs> and joining me, he happens to be a billionaire. Sorry, it's Arturo Zurita. Okay. All right. <laughs> Putting things into fruition, I see. That's actually on Zach's license. Speak it. I don't know if y'all seen it it's really long it's just the name on the first and then in the back they had to cramp everything in with the with the code but hey they don't give me enough characters in my twitter bio for all that but uh jared Mankin, a man who knows how to introduce himself to america i'm gonna ask you this once because i i was hearing that and uh a couple of intercut explainers ago you had Broken down to me, Mad- Madison Madison saying a line that was actually, uh, how do I put this, engraved outside of an institution that we <laughs> should not speak of this early on into yeah. the broadcast. Mm-hmm. When he said that quote, is that not an English? <laughs> that sounded like an English <laughs> translation of something said in the 1940s. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, a mixture of just like very like online constitutionalist and just dude who likes to say awesome because it wasn't he wasn't like completely uh, speaking as if he was ripping from the Constitution. But, uh, yeah, it's frightening for Who's sure. I think a, right. I think a lot of people uh, were really uh, unsettled by this week of succession, uh, shocked or, or, or just thrown off their bearings. Maybe people realizing their, their problematic faves are a bit more problematic than they realized. Oh, okay. Thank you right <laughs> off the bat. Thank you. There is one moment when one little individual, one little rat, started doing this little walk after saying something, and I was like, and there it is. But I will give you this. The person I hated the most was kind of the funniest one this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing that we have to contend with. A really dramatic week on Succession. I I feel like we could call this one a bottle episode, even though it's kind of like upstairs, downstairs. Lots going on uh, this week for sure. A bottle episode of Diet Pepsi with Mentos. (laughs) Exactly. That's That's what this was for sure ready to explode. Uh, and it all started with one of the shortest cold opens in the show's history. <laughs> one that I thought was Clean. pretty hysterical. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, yeah, but Greg's feeling good. He might be the only one uh, feeling good as we get into <laughs> election eve on succession. Where, where do you want to start with this? Because there's a lot of people who had a really big week this week. Uh, maybe no more, nobody more than uh, Kendall and Shiv. I don't know if either of them is the person you want to start with, or do we have to talk about the wasabi incident? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we can we can tease at the wasabi incident. Just just dip our fingers, just like <laughs> this boy did, um, and then get into everybody else because we have to end it with the disgusting brothers. But that wasabi. <laughs> oh my goodness, you're right. Speaking of incidents of fingers being dipped into other things as well, there was also Manson coming in with the most disgusting thing possible. When this man stuck his finger to mix his cocktail. I knew there was a third disgusting brother. That's what happens when you spend too much time with Greg. Yeah, make sure to order your drink shaken, not stirred, if they're coming from Madsen. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, let's just start with the the breakdown of this is the first election that I think we've seen in succession. And because of that, I found it fascinating to see an election unlike any other piece of media where we're there with the politicians. We're, we were partly there with it because we did have one politician, Connor, rest in peace, the campaign. <laughs> but I loved seeing how a news agency runs it. Yeah. This was right? an awesome like, episode. 
this was a really great episode. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we see the, we talk about, we're, we're talking about the inner workings of the Roy family, right? We're seeing the yeah. ups and downs, the, the corporate fights, the uh, internal family squabbling. But something that Succession has done a really good job about is showing how the elites are really insulated from the rest of the world. They don't 100%. only cross paths. They, they never, they, they don't only not talk to people in like lower classes than them. They don't even really cross paths with people in lower classes with them unless they're driving them places or bringing them food. And this and was when they the do, rare, yeah. You hire detail to follow your wife without her knowing. <laughs> A whole other detail that we should get into. But uh, the, the thing about this week's episode that I think was really remarkable and really interesting was that this was the first time that we've seen the actions of the Roy family really ha really having ripple effects in the larger world in that they are the people who in one way or another help pump this poison into America. And it, it's pretty like unseemly to see it. I think in a lot of ways that this episode actually was kind of a culmination of a lot of things. I feel like Jesse Armstrong has yes. almost been working not just to this episode, but even to a specific yes. line. Um, oh. I thought there was, w yeah, I thought there was one moment in particular uh, when Mankin is delivering his speech. And I, damn, I wanted to have that picture up. Uh, yeah, here mm -hmm. it is where Mankin is delivering his victory speech. And he says, the election has been called for me by an authority of known integrity. And like, we know who called the election for him. We've spent four seasons watching these people rise to power. All the people who were stopgaps between the Roy children, between Tom and Greg, between all these people being in charge of an important decision like this have been cast aside. Logan's dead. Sid was just fired. Who knows where Jerry's off to? There's nobody to stop these completely broken, completely worthless people from potentially putting an extremely dangerous person in charge, you know, and, and this is the consequence of their inactions of their in seriousness that they either don't know how to align themselves with somebody better or don't know how to stop this bullet when it's coming for them. When they are going to benefit from it, they just jumped on with the bandwagon. But I like how you put it. If this was a racing series, all we've been seeing is the mechanics, the pit stops, the training, this is the race. This is the episode where we saw it in action. And I think it's going to be the epitome of uh, this newsroom type thing. Obviously, there was, you know, HBO has the newsroom. But just like people have gravitated to the Logan episode and his passing as being like the uh, epitome of what it's like to lose somebody, like without any, uh, what's it called, foreshadowing, like it, it to, for it to just happen and, uh, as a band being ripped out. This mm -hmm. is going to be what people think of the next time we see elections, I feel. This is going to be that standout episode when they're watching all the countdowns on TV. They now have something to picture in the background besides the hosts who are all dapper right in front of the screen. Uh, I, yeah, this was it firing on all cylinders. I've been waiting for an mm -hmm. episode like this, and I think it delivered. Every rewatch is going to... This felt like three episodes in one. That's how jam-packed yeah. it was. Yeah, it, there's so much going on. I mean, it, it, it's really like... It's some of the best stuff, and it also feels like a lot of things coming to – a lot of characters sort of having their moment of truth, right? Like Shiv has, trying to, has tried to be this more liberal-minded operator in a world of uh, heavily conservative people and, you know, extremely – 
wealthy people who don't share a lot of her more like socially liberal viewpoints. And despite all her her efforts to try and stop something like this from happening, she's completely powerless. Uh, Kendall, it, it all show long has been wavering between is he a good person or can he be a good businessman and this episode in particular he spent the entire time stammering being unsure of himself not really knowing what to say until the moment when he decides to go against Shiv and support Mencken that's the one clear-eyed moment he has in this entire episode Man, he was like the Golden State Warriors bench he was just sitting on the side while everything happened in front of him I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, and just ultimately landing on he's a guy we can do business with, just showing the the emptiness in his soul for what it was. Like, I, I don't know. He he has a moment when he's trying to confront Roman and he he's trying to stop it, but he can't. Like, he just doesn't have his heart in it. He can't really argue it. As definitely not as, like, fervently as Roman does. Even when, mm-hmm. like, he says, oh, somebody pushed my daughter. He's like, oh, she's okay, though. <laughs> like, I, he, he, nah, he it, doesn't yeah. have a spine. He doesn't have a spine. Yeah. But, I, yeah, that was, like, the, the one little moment where I remembered, okay, Roman is still somewhere in there. To hear that about your niece and to still inquire about her. But Roman was a freaking snake. This man... Mm-hmm. Logan isn't dead. He has been reincarnated in this little weasel right here. I could not believe the way he just flipped on a dime. Everything that we were saying about him being emotionally unstable was 100% there, but no one expected him to be the one to pull the dagger the way that he did. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Disgusting. But just a, yeah. a powerhouse performance. This was the episode where you take that to the bank of you saying that you're rooting for him to be uh, the one taking home the gold in a couple of months from now. Uh he commanded it. We had never seen this version of this man. And it scared yeah, me a I mean, little bit. It did. I mean, like, he's always been a bit of a troll. And he he has these little moments where he'll throw in some really unsavory thoughts, some really in politically incorrect ideas. Mm-hmm. But this was a full hour of it. This was, like, mm-hmm. pure, like uncut, unhinged, just full, like, sort of almost foaming at the mouth ro- Roman. And yeah. how how effective he is at th- kind of throwing his body in front of any counter argument. Uh, you know, there's like, there, there's that moment when Shiv says, I have concerns for the state of the Republic and pluralism. And Roman just says, she's boring. Like he's not even going to engage <laughs> with it on an intellectual level. He's just going to brute force his way through these arguments. And in this scenario, it really works for him. Although it's like the most disgusting that he's been perhaps in this entire show. If I may, I yeah. think that's the way you win. I right. think he knows what the game is. It's not this pitter-patter, oh, I got this and this and this and this. He knows that's not what's going to win. That's not the way the world is run, especially from what he learned from his father. Well, he just learned that from Matson. Matson does the exact same thing. His response last week to the numbers were, was that they were gay. Like He knows that when it comes down to who's going to get something done, it's acting in this way. It's putting yeah. someone up to stir up the pot to get the emotions running and to be able to call an election, to be able to, uh, as he put it, uh, have the people in charge so that he's able to uh, continue ATN, selling out fully. And, I, and that kind of feels like Jesse Armstrong's view of the world as well, because, you know, on one side of the argument, 
Roman is able to get this assurance from Mencken that they will block the Gojo deal. Mencken yeah. is is willing to play just as dirty as Roman is. And despite the fact that, you know, you're not supposed to have these kind of alliances between people in power and the media, they they don't have that sort of moral moral hangup about it. Whereas yeah. on the other side of the fence, the people who lose this whole election, like Shiv is afraid to even make that ask. And when Kendall tries to ask the Democratic side of the aisle for a favor, he gets stoned. World. So it's the the people who didn't even phone it in. Yeah, the people who are the most um, willing to to compromise whatever seeming integrity people are supposed to have well, that end up winning in this situation. Yep. Exactly how it is. Because even with Chiv, we're not going to keep it a buck. I, I would the whole episode. I'm like, she's also not that virtuous. Episode ends, and in the uh, in the outro, she says, "Let's be honest. It's not like she really cares that much. She has an inkling of it, but she's still relying on living off the money that ATN has. So yeah, like she's still gonna benefit from it. Uh, I like what Har- uh, Harshal said in the chat. Shout out everyone watching the live stream. One of the things I really appreciated was that they don't really do the Aaron Sorkin thing. That's why I think if you go back to a pick of um, Roman." He doesn't have this super composure to it. It's his, what has now been memed, that makes yeah. him so realistic, that makes him just an average schmuck, that makes it feel real. It's this mm-hmm. idea of not having this very, uh, you know, big actor come in to command the scene, but what a real person behind the scenes actually looks like. It really helps you visualize who's making the moves and <sighs> the best episode of Succession that he's been in. Easily. Mm-hmm. I also really love when uh, they make references to their childhood, right? And there's that very funny moment mm. when he says, if you wanted roast chicken and I wanted steak, we always, we'd always we always have chicken. Uh, and, and just bringing it back to the childhood arg- arguments between him and Kendall, I thought, thought was really uh, an interesting kind of way to reveal the nature of their fights, right? Like the Shiv did the same thing last episode they they're still having the same types of squabbles that they had when they were children they are they are still they're grown adults that behave like children with each other and roman just maybe is the best at being a child Mm mm-hmm i think yeah i think he's he he had the most survival mode if anything right yeah and i think that explains a lot into the dynamics with their dad and why he uh, ended up being one of the closest ones it could be because of where he is in terms of you know, being the youngest, but mm-hmm. he knew how to survive the most. And that's finally coming into play, which again, it makes the writing so beautiful. Um, yeah. But I agree with you to still have those squabbles now. It just so happens to be uh, that they can affect an election. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, big episode for Roman, big episode for Shiv too, as we were mentioning, uh, because aside from trying to block a potential fascist from uh, the highest office in America. She also has a moment with, or a few moments, I guess, with Tom. She takes him aside and apologizes to him. uh, And then he refuses to apologize to her, tells her that she killed her father. And then she finally drops the, the pregnancy bombshell on him. But like, he's so... Um, like Roy pilled at this moment and, and thinking of everything as a power play or as some kind of move, or maybe he's just really done being put through the emotional ringer with Shiv. Uh, that his response is to say, is that even true? Or is that like a position or a tactic? Which is is interesting to me in two, for two reasons. One, 
devastating thing to tell somebody who's just told you that they're pregnant and you're the father. But two, there is a great little moment, and this is a reason to uh, compliment the author, actor Matthew McFadden, who's excellent as always, but there's just like the split second after she tells him where you can see in his face that he's he's kind of happy. Like he's kind of always him, really wanted... I, I, need, I wish I had that moment. Let me let me see if I can bit, grab it quick. I agree with you. The standout of like just having that smile and almost feeling joy. The election, every all that pressure of him having to do the call went away as he looked at her. But it's been such a broken relationship. He put his guard up in the happiest oh. moment. Emmy award winning <laughs> actor right there. That was great. Uh, was that your favorite Tom episode? Uh, favorite Tom moment of the episode as well, or was there My something heart else? Because he had a when lot I saw to his do. smile, and then sank when he decided to belittle her that she walked away. Yeah, I thought it was horrible. I, I did love the funny moment afterwards. You need us to kill him. We can take Tom out. <laughs> Get him out of here. Might just have yeah. to. But that yeah. exchange is what people have been waiting for, and I, I know everyone, you know, had their great predictions out there. DraftKings.com on Mother's Day would have a mother <laughs> <laughs> mention, of course. But I'm very curious to see where it's going to take it because it's like they don't really resolve anything at the end, and he is the one who pulls the dagger, thus upsetting her not only even more so in their relationship, but upsetting her and not her getting her way. It is interesting that she apologized, though, after what was the biggest fight, I would say, uh, now having a week off of it, that they've had in the series yeah. thus far, and still being willing to come back and apologize. Obviously, it wasn't going to be an easy one, but, like, they really do just, like, they're those little dolls that you, you punch them and they come right back up. That's that's all this relationship is. Yeah, well, we were talking about it last week that it felt like they had aired out so much of their, their dirty laundry on each other thing. that it was... It was hard. Well, it was hard to see them coming back, but at the same way, like they, if anybody, they're the couple who might be able to do it. Um, at the same time, though, they're just so like shell shocked. She mentions that you know she's still dealing with the death of her father. Tom is just you know devastated in his own way for many reasons of, of just going through all of all of this. It's it's tough, man, because like they don't have a lot of allies but each other but how exactly. do you go back to somebody who's done all those things to you i don't know you know there's and i'm not gonna say it applies to them but there are some relationships where being lovey-dovey having that comfort isn't going to be the thing that brings you closer it's going yeah. through that bunch and getting through all the bs uh and sometimes it's hurtful but that's the one thing that's going to let you grow yeah, so do you still have uh, hope for, for those crazy kids, or <laughs> you think no. Tom is getting the axe? Um, it's worse. I don't think they're splitting. I think the worst thing is that they're going to be together and raise this child just like they did with all of the other ones. <laughs> oh, Look yeah. at him, boy. Looks like he dipped his hands in wasabi. <laughs> I mean, it's all he wanted was to have a baby with Shiv, and that now he can't he wanted, even enjoy man. that. It's, so, it's, it's tragic in its own way. Well, we confirmed a lot of people were wondering if it was a surrogate, even though, you know, we did have the hospital scene um, that, that it is her. So I'm, I'm still right. kind of curious how, you know, after the, the humping Olympics, how that was possible. But, hey, it's there. Two episodes. Absolutely. These episodes better be three hours long, man. There's too many storylines. <laughs> yeah. I want to circle back to Ken, too, because I, I thought mm -hmm. we had a, real, a couple really interesting things. Uh, you mentioned it in brief that he now has uh, he has an SUV following Rava and his kids. Like, that's his version of being uh, a dad. Father. Is he... <laughs> 
adding surveillance to them that freaks them out. Um, but like he, he, it's again, it's that inability to actually show up for your kids other than in ways that you like financially support them. The episode ends with that scene was, yeah, of yeah. him in the back of the car calling Rava and saying, can I come see them? And, and she says that they're asleep already. Um, but I also thought it was very interesting how they chose to end, end the episode. The last line of this episode of Succession was him saying, some people just can't cut a deal for Cret. Who is Fakret? Well, it's this driver, and it's now apparently his best friend, because as Kendall continues Mm. to turn into Logan, he needs his own Colin. Good point. Great catch there. I didn't know who that was. I I thought that was another reference to another (laughs) political thing, but yeah. (laughs) Who is Fakret? Yeah. He really is. He's just becoming his father all over again, and I think that this Mm -hmm. is like the dawning of... Look, I still think they're going to ruin it all, because I have a question for you. How can you call an election if they're still going to count the votes and then say, boy, you shouldn't be trusted? You know, there's a certain point where this can't be ESPN. You can't be calling who you think is going to win a game and then you don't get it right. Like at a certain time, you should be fired. This is the biggest reason for it. I I didn't really understand the idea of calling it other than are they looking for a cushion of three months to be able to make deals? Because it seems to me like this is a reason to take ATN down. Absolutely. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about the machinations of the of calling the election here, because they are they are sort of trying to draw some allusions both to 2016 and to 2000, uh, a couple of the more closely contested elections in American history. 2016, I think the parallels are more so in the shock that all these people feel that like they wake wake up the day like fairly confident that it's going to the liberal candidate and then something changes and all of a sudden the person who everybody thought was too dangerous to become president is president. So there, there's some of that parallel too, but it did also remind me a lot of the the hanging Chad incident in in mm-hmm. Florida in 2000, where we went to those months of, of re-election or recounts of the votes to see whether or not George Bush or Al Gore had more votes. The thing is that in that in that case, um, the confidence with which the Bush campaign sort of asserted that they had won before all the information was all, uh, like counted and and uh, you know assured is part of what built the narrative that Bush won the election and we need to move on. We don't need to take uh, spend you know months and years or whatever in in the courts for this. And the courts then ultimately did decide that as well. But the, the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What, I think what they're hoping is is similar to how Trump at during the 2020 election, as they were counting votes for Philadelphia, was like, no, stop the count. We're good. They're trying yeah. to just sort of um, by by legitimizing the idea that Mencken won an election where not all the votes have yet been counted there at least is like the momentum generating behind his campaign that could maybe influence things in a certain direction that, that maybe uh, maybe it ends up people end up not taking it to the full extent of going through the courts and all of that, because it's sort of like become uh, become recognized. I mean, it will, it will still go through it, but I think what they're talking about is a sort of soft power that uh, presidents have where even if they don't necessarily have the power to enact certain rule changes or laws, their influence influences the people below them, right? Like it's whoever is in charge of the federal government, the, the 
the the people below them tend to follow their lead in certain ways. So I think okay. there's an argument to like I, I, it really comes down to that argument that uh, that moment between Kendall and Shiv uh, right before Shiv makes the fake phone call uh, where where Shiv tells him that we have we have the power to stop him. He needs us. No one else is going to uh, no other legit or news. No other news organization as legit as ATN is going to call this election in favor of Mencken. But if they call it in favor of Mencken, it, it's the kind of juice that will help push the campaign. So, you know, I think that it's going to continue to be an issue. I, I think uh, seeing I think Mencken... demise. In, yeah, right. Like, that's the thing is... It, it, it could uh, in the, in early in the episode, Darwin says that um, leaking information can get them ousted of the uh, election pool, uh, that, and, and yeah. like, yeah, like they could lose their le- legitimacy. So like, by the end of this, ATN might not even want to be an asset that Matson even wants. I love the line we'll, he said. We'll see. Make sure they don't break my toy. I thought that yeah, was the exactly. line he had. But Absolutely. that's what I'm saying. In the examples that you brought up, in 2020, did we have an outlet, a news agency, who was willing to put themselves in that much hot water? Like, <laughs> well, so yeah, they played the game of of appeasing the, oh, stop the count. There's a revote. Mm-hmm. But, like, that man took it to court. Donald took that to court everywhere, and he, you know, kept yeah. losing. But he wasn't the news outlet. Uh, it's almost like they're combining both, right? Because they're in cahoots. They're working together. Exactly, yeah. I feel like and, and the them doing that is going to be the end to ATN. Yeah, also, and, also, it, and also, maybe it will also, be. Yeah. The well, Wisconsin no, just thing. To, uh, insurrection, well, well, a little bit right there with the bombing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's a couple things that in? you can talk... You could you could say that. The insurrection still might come. Uh, I saw Sam oh, Adams I tweeted I something. that big. I, I saw Sam Adams tweet something that got my brain uh, rattling where he said he's been thinking for months that they're going to do a January 6th slash funeral episode. So we'll, we'll see what happens next week on Succession. Um, the the incident in Milwaukee did remind me of how at, in 2020 there was like a group of, of – or in Arizona actually, the people who surrounded the uh, – uh, counting offices and they actually had mm-hmm. to evacuate, I think the counting office at one, at one point in Arizona. So like there has been these moments of intimidation, maybe nothing as quite severe as uh, a fire that burned a hundred thousand yeah. votes in Milwaukee. Roman talked about Roman. This is when I knew he, he had lost it. When Roman had mentioned, which is also a, another story the that fun we vans? from 2020, the vans. Oh, it's kidnapping. Oh, wow. We're kidnapping. I was like, this man has lost. It's over. It's over for y'all. I yeah. would not. You can't you just call everything Roman, you don't like a false flag. <laughs> you guys got to throw that merch away. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's when he started going down. So, yeah, I think it was interesting to, like you said, build up the world. So it feels very reflective of other things and past campaigns and such. I just. I don't know. It feels like they shot themselves in the foot, and uh, with two episodes left, I I don't I don't see it ending on them with the yeah. campaign and and in good standing. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly like there's no proper real world corollary for it, but I do think we live in a world where if if one news channel says it, a whole section of the country is going to believe that, and that's not just Fox News. Yeah, that's sure, that's MSNBC sure. too. Uh, so but affecting like, the law. Well, but it's it's like there's that line that Roman has where he says, "You're our president," right? It's it's the mm, you are not my pr- yeah, you legitimize yeah, yeah, him yeah, in yeah. a way. 
Yeah. Not my president. Gotcha. Exactly. So we'll we'll see what the consequences of that is and whether or not it will uh, end up helping or hurting them. Uh, was it a sad end to the Connor Roy campaign, unfortunately? <laughs> uh, he, he thought he had a chance it. in Kentucky. Uh, and that, that, that scene shot of Kentucky was so funny. Dude, the whiplash of going from we think we if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen into Kentucky. And then a minute Alas, later, they don't Kentucky. even mention his name. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really last vanity. <laughs> they filmed that like he just got kicked out of the finals, bro. He looked yeah. like you know when they zoom in at the end of the World Series to the losers on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> he really thought he had a chance. Succession is really good because they're always talking about that extra character that's in the room, the camera. Yeah, they just know how to make something so funny without doing anything. And yeah, that yeah. was just hysterical. The the fact that he still believed that he was something, and then his speech. Someone almost be thinking. <laughs> you right? I mean, I thought Alan Ruck was just on fire this episode. He was so hysterical in those moments when he's on the phone, but then also in that speech that you mentioned. I, I love the idea. How about I concede in his direction? Just such a funny idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, also extremely hysterical that his campaign slogan is just enough already. <laughs> Do you see that? For the con heads, they liked it. They probably voted that in. Yeah. Uh, I also like uh, that when he gave his speech, that's the one time you get a shot of the crew. They make one little appearance for the episode. One little yeah. shot. And it's just for them to laugh at Connor. They gathered everyone for one shoot then. Yo, when Frank says Connor was running for president, like that's one, of funny. The, one of the best burns that we've had on this show, full of great Very burns. Good. It's very good. <laughs> uh, very, very funny stuff. Um, I also really liked that, like, apparently there's been all this vice presidential drama with Connor's campaign where where somebody, uh, where he says he was betrayed by two jackrabbits. Like, I don't know what yeah. the hell is going on there, but that now I want those nowhere. episodes. <laughs> that, I, would, I would like to see that. That's the spinoff that they're going to give you. Yeah, exactly. Um who else do we do? Do we want to talk about Darwin at all? Because Darwin had a rough go of it this episode. Uh, not only d- does he get pressured into calling an election that he doesn't think was actually called, but Greg gets wasabi and LaCroix in his eye. <laughs> that wasabi scene is one of the most funny <laughs> things I think that's happened on this show. Um, you know, we were talking about how well written this episode is. I feel like every single line is quotable in some way, but I don't have like part of it is also just the overlapping nature of scenes like this, all talking on top of each other and and Tom yelling, "It's lemony, Greg!" It's so yeah. funny to me. He's like, "It's water. Look, it's not. It's just a just a hint of lemon." <laughs> I know everyone loves wasabi. Wasabi's gonna win. It's gonna take it. But it's just a hint of lemon. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> the slow sip he takes too. <laughs> uh, hey, was, look, dude. look. I know better than to throw Lacroix at somebody. But like, damn, I, I almost kind of agree with Greg. It is damn near water. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but that's what you get for getting um, the gas station sushi. Yeah, right. Let's not I, forget I, they were both bumped bodega out. Bodega sushi. Yeah, they were bumped out. Like both of them ran this whole election. <laughs> High as can be. And yeah. just the fact that you had Greg, probably one of my favorite parts for Greg is uh, just this, doing this the entire episode. Yeah, this way, this way, this way. There are moments <laughs> in the episode where they keep that gag running 
when they're just going to another scene and Greg is still doing this, that killed yeah. him. Those were some of the funniest moments for Greg that he really <laughs> thought he was to, guiding somebody. Him trying to wrangle the Roy siblings off of the newsroom nah. floor. Mm-mm. So fun. But, so uh, funny. Great back and forth between him and Schiff. The the setup where she does yes. have him. She corners him and is able to like kind of push him, uh, and he thinks he's able to get something out of there. Because one of my favorite lines of the episode comes in early when he's talking about maybe having an up on Shiv's relationship with Matson. And, mm-hmm. and Tom says, that's information, Greg. It's like a fine wine. You keep it, you store it, you hoard it, and then you smash it in someone's face. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be used against... It's going to be used against ATN very soon, uh, I believe, but the way that he thinks that he has that on Shiv, and Shiv kind of wins that first fight, but there was multiple rounds here, and this man came out on top. It makes me angry, but I got to give it where credit is due. You know that meme from The Last Dance where the guy beats Jordan mm-hmm. and he goes like that? <laughs> where he calls her out and does one of those with the little yeah. eyebrows? Very clean win for him. Very clean. Yeah, you know, we kind of joked around the idea of, like, is Greg the brand of succession? Is Greg going to be oddly the last one left standing when all the pieces fall around him? Not going to be gone. A lot of support for that theory this week. Greg getting in with Matson and, and his uh, monstrous crew. He danced with an old man and they didn't want to dance, but they made us dance. He drank yeah. things that aren't normally drinks. <laughs> what, what do you think they... What do you think? Well, they I made don't want to drink is like fluids. I have absolutely no idea where that could go. But considering <laughs> yeah. that uh, he stayed up pretty late, uh, I think it scarred him. One of the things that I, I did enjoy was when it comes to making the decision, somehow it's Greg walking down to press the button. I How? thought this was one of the best scenes of this episode and maybe even the best Greg scene, period. Um, What's the opening shot of Greg? Vomiting a mascot at a theme park that's run down? Yeah. And delivery. Damn near the What an incredible six-year rise he's had from from Doderick (laughs) to the guy who delivers the news of the next president to the the United States. I hate him, but I'm almost proud for the boy. Right? Oh, also, how does she know about the Disgusting Brothers? She's, she's been checking the messages, huh? I, th- I think that's when Disgusting Brothers was still when she and Tom were sharing some information. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I want to go back to the hallway scene just for a sec, because I really, really loved that moment. Uh, Greg, who I think, like, probably has some, like, liberal views that he doesn't feel too strongly about, and you can see him sort of, like, processing, oh, man, I'm about to... To, to do a pretty bad thing. And and I love that they use Jess for this moment too, who is a character yeah. we haven't heard like a huge uh, amount from uh, on the show, but like she always, she always does a really good job of feeling like the only normal piece, person in the room, like her little, just like half second expressions yes. when Kendall says something ridiculous. And, and here, like she's very powerless but you can kind of tell there's a part of her who's like trying to get him to maybe have a backbone or, or not do the thing, or maybe you'll stop it for a couple minutes. But I don't know. I, I love that little exchange between them. Um, and that like, <sighs> yeah. even when, once he's out of sight, there's a quick moment where you see her look horrified and then go to her phone, like maybe to call her mom or something. Like, uh, yeah, I thought a- that was a really powerful scene. 
There was a lot of those. I, you know, because you're, I felt that too. I was like, is she going to try to do something? Is she going to try to stop it? She has one chance here to do a headbutt of some sort, convince him to deliver it wrongly. But she does it, and I almost felt like, just like Greg, there's so the the idea of being here at this moment, right? There's four seasons of succession. This mm-hmm. is like the first election we've seen this group actually be a part of and be a part of. You yeah. also have Willa earlier. We discussed last week. She spent a little bit in theater, became very liberal. And yet there's still that moment before Connor goes to speak where she goes, well, it's he not is really right as, wing. It is very right wing. And then immediately remembers where she's at. Immediately remembers just lunch, like the boys. Venice for dinner. You know, and I think Dubrovnik those flashes come up. It comes across these characters and they remember what they're really in it for. And I don't think they care. And I think that goes all the way to the starlet that everyone thinks is the the, the big, with Shiv's character, that she is the one who really does care. I don't think she cares either. She cares to also be on top. It just so happens that she seems to align with the more liberal view. But, hey, if anybody wanted to stop it, the one thing they definitely could do is not work there. And it's been four seasons. They haven't left. Yeah, I mean, I I think Shiv is pretty horrified by all this, but she's like not horrified enough to distance herself from her family, right? Like she's not horrified mm-hmm. enough to to she stop speaking to Roman. Yeah, she wouldn't. Yeah. She wouldn't have anything. Exactly. She's not going to go live in a trailer park with Tom. How do you lose to Roman that many times in one episode, though? <laughs> I mean, look, it, she had a little bit of a rebound by getting close to Matson, but it has been a tough, tough season for Shiv. Yeah. Uh, anybody else that we should cover before we get into some of the best quotes? You know, we mentioned Matson briefly. I thought it was pretty funny that he calls uh, Greg Gregory Peggery uh, when <laughs> telling Shiv about their their late night escapades. Yeah, now that they're friends, what did he say? I needed a uh, oh Greg the normalist. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, uh, and I also just loved Frank, Carl, and Hugo's little war room watching the election together. I could have just okay. done with I could have done with way more of that as well. Mm-hmm. I just just wanted um, to see it in one little seed though. That, that's what got me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Mencken on top, the unlikely ascended to the throne. You know, I didn't realize because the the show doesn't always make its timeline perfectly clear. They mentioned that his campaign only started six months ago. Uh, somebody commented and cl- cleared up. Uh, that he's running because the previous president, the Raisin, decided to not run for re-election. So thinking about this just in real-world terms, like absolutely insane to think about the uh, the possibility of a guy launching his presidential election in April and being the president by uh, October. But Damn. but that's what's going on in, in Royville. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about some of the best quotes? Shoot. All right, so uh, you mentioned one, the Tom one, information, Greg. It's like a bottle of fine wine. You store it, you hoard it, you save it for a special occasion, and then you smash somebody's fucking face in with it. I love that. I love the little, like, twist on the end of it there. Very well His, uh, very well written. My digestive system is a part of the Constitution. was kind of <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't need another Greg. I need this Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he bumps Greg back down to coffee duty. Uh, I also thought uh, Tom, when he was talking about cocaine and trying to get Greg to do some, when he says it's medically good for your brain. Your brain. What are you saying? All all Aztecs are stupid. Don't be a racist little racist. bitch about it. <laughs> uh, Roman saying, "My team's playing your team. It's only spicy because if my team wins, they're going to shoot your team." Uh, Connor <laughs> trying to 
angle himself for, for ambassadorship again, organize a little coup down in Peru, put me in a van to Tajikistan. Couldn't be our, couldn't I be our fun guy down in Uruguay? <laughs> um, and then Kendall, I think with the, the best summation of what's going on this episode. So because we had so much chicken when we were kids, I have to elect a fascist. Uh, the one that I have on the board was once it's news, we'll cover it. And that came from the news. <laughs> uh, Roman so had a little many one on, small um, little lines. His yeah. tantrum one to, to go with what you were saying about the chicken thing. Yeah. The, the throwing a tantrum will get you what you want. And it was interesting because uh, just completely unrelated. The Bo is afraid uh, like rollout. One of the big things that he had with that movie was these adult swim things about how to throw a tantrum to get your way. And I completely mm-hmm. saw that here. These are full-grown Nepo billionaire babies who, when they don't get their way, like you said, are going to default to what they did as kids. Yeah. They threw a tantrum to win an election. Crazy. <sighs> yeah. Crazy. And it, it worked for it worked for Roman. For yeah. now. Uh, I'm. Well, let's talk about what's going to come Sir next. Chicken in jail. Only two more episodes of Succession. It's it's hard to believe because it's so good and it feels like if they want to, they could just keep going down these holes. Like the the relationships are, are so like alive and live wire. I just kind of want a lot more of it. But the thing that struck me in thinking about uh, us getting close to the end here is we've been coming on this podcast every week and talking about, all right, what's coming next? What are we anticipating? What's going to happen? We're kind of running out of things that we knew were going to happen. We knew Shiv was going to have to drop that pregnancy bombshell at some point. We knew that the election was going to happen. Um, Obviously, the funeral is still going to happen, but that looks like it's happening on the next episode. Actually, great, yeah. So I kind of have, like, no idea what's going to happen in the finale, and I love that feeling of just being completely... Un- unsure of what's going on, but I I trust so much in Jesse Armstrong and their team to guide us at this point. Um, any thoughts about what we have left? Any things that you feel like still need to be resolved, still need to come up? Probably a lot in retrospect. My big thing is that we have another HBO finale too, if you include Barry, and the idea of will it be able to stick the landing? We're at Scary Times again. This is the biggest show they've had, in my opinion, since... The last big show they had that didn't land it, as great. Will yeah. it be able to? Because in landing that, the show has broken this fourth wall of its own succession. Will it yeah. be able to retain that? If they're ending it, what we consider pretty early in four seasons, will it have an ending that will live up for it to, to you know, remain a classic? I feel, and, 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 I feel I'm more concerned about more... that. Yeah, I feel a lot more confident in this than Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones, it became clear like a few episodes before we got to that finale that something bad was up and like yeah Yeah. you could also put the argument out there that a lot of people don't like the sopranos finale i feel like in retrospect it's an extremely bold and brave choice but it's also something that is kind of in line with the way that david chase wrote that show for sure i I feel i feel like jesse seems so clear-headed in the statements that he's making about these characters about news media about politicians i would be surprised if he doesn't have something strong lined up for for wrapping this up now you know people will disagree there's lots of people who want one thing and they won't get it but 
Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I'm I'm just excited to get whatever we get at this point. <laughs> there, there's no book that they've fallen behind unless you consider the upcoming election as being a little too early. Exactly. But I agree with you. I do want it to fall. And that's what I'm saying in line with the breaking bads of the world. When yeah. I'm looking at that score for the Logan episode and I go back to Ozymandias, like those are incredible culture shifting peak episodes. TV. That, that peak TV that everyone agreed on. I want it to have that. Not a Sopranos where someone thinks about it later or that people are mixed. I want it to have that Breaking Bad type of farewell. So, fingers crossed, right? Hey, when you're ending yeah. it early, that's a lot of confidence. That's exactly, a lot of confidence. Right? You call your shot like that. That's pretty cool. Um, they In the preview for next week, we did get a brief appearance from James Cromwell's Ewan character. I was, I'm was i glad to see nice. him back because he was one of my favorite uh, brief characters on Succession. But aside from that, um, is there any? There's nothing else you can think of. Like, do you do you want to see the waiter that Logan partially killed? I guess. guess. Do you want to see that come back up in a bigger way, or was the ending of season three? Yeah, or was the end of season three where he tells his siblings kind of enough, and you feel like the end of that storyline? Hey, no, I'm, I'm good with that coming back, if that's the case. But I've told you who I want to come back. That dude who was screwing with them in the first episode who said, I'm going to take everything from you and then never Valter? does. Valter? Yes. The dude from Valter? 100%. Because I also see it being this full circle thing where in this episode, they keep throwing this China line. I don't even know the man's ethnicity, but it don't matter to these guys who just do all these quips. They keep saying China's coming. China's here. I can only imagine Roman getting screwed over by him and then going like, yep. You lost. They took it all away from you. I think that would be the craziest bookend. And the fact that they yeah. kind of had a lot of stuff laid out uh, would be good. Do we know anything from Walter? Like, have they I even been know, in the man. background? I, well, they, they he shutters the company during in season two when he's like his dad's pet. Uh, he, you know, so we haven't really heard from him since season two. I don't know if he started a new media venture or something like that. Maybe he's at, at like the new Gawker or something, but... <laughs> he comes back. That'd be funny. Yeah, that he'd be the be one funny. person who who takes them out. That I, I'd really appreciate. What about you? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't really want to see the waiter storyline come back up. I kind of feel like it served most of its uh, dramatic purpose. And I, I, the way that I feel like things are going, I don't think like that's the thing that would take Kendall down. I feel like there's got to be. Something that he does now, not something in his past, but he, if he's going to have a fall from grace, it should be because of something that he is doing in the present moment. So I, I feel and like you it don't might see be a little... him taking himself out like for his family mean, or for something else. I, I think if he was going to make like step up and, and, you know, be a family man, he would have done or could have done it this week. But he... so for you, you're betting on demise. I'm betting I on mean, demise. I, I don't see them continuing. I don't know about demise. Go go go! Sorry. I don't know about demise of the whole company, but demise of like their integrity or demise of the idea that he could be a good person or or better in the role than his father. I think that's that's gone. And like you know, mm-hmm. the, the I think the key thing between him and Shiv when they had that that talk was her trying to assure him. You're a good person. You're you're essentially, uh, you're essentially a good person. You're you're an yeah. okay dad. Like she's just trying to get him to like 
hold on to his humanity, but his humanity is no uh, obstacle for his desire to be powerful, his desire to run his father's business. And and I think it's going to be about him compromising any sense of morals that he has in order to be the most ruthless businessman he can be. Tales old as time. Lot, lots to look forward to. I'm really excited. I really love this episode. I think this next to uh, Connor's wedding, this might have been my favorite episode this season of Succession. I don't know, I don't know nice. about you. Yeah, no, to me, this is, like I said, the the aftermath of the yeah. succeeding. This is seeing them at full power. What what is what is higher than an election? Right? Than, than deciding the next leader of the free world. This is going to be one you- where the more times that we rewatch it, I'm going to notice new things yeah. every single time. One more question, just as we get back to that. Um, the argument that the other argument Shiv had that I thought was compelling and maybe a little bit supported by what Mencken said in his speech is like, how do we know that Mencken will uh, actually do what he says, that he will actually block the Gojo deal? Do you feel like that's also a possibility out there that maybe yeah, he's not going to be the ally by- they hoped? Yeah, uh, by blocking the Gojo deal, what are they getting out of that? Does that also include flipping it on its head and them wanting to buy or pillage their village? Like, I, I was confused. Right, yeah. I, I thought, because I had misheard it, thinking that they're like, oh, no, Jimenez can't win because he'll block the deal, something that they may want. Yeah. But I guess it's a I reverse think they of just that. Want, yeah, they want to just... Right now, they're focused on just stopping the sta- the sale, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be in their back pocket, but again... You never know. You never you know. You never know. All right. Any last bits about this episode, or should we just meet back here next week for the penultimate episode of Succession? I don't know what you're going to bring. I'm going to bring a little uh, a Scottish whiskey to pour out for the man Logan. Yeah. We've missed him. I love still seeing his name in the opening credits. But uh, yeah, <laughs> tomorrow's a big farewell for him. You know, it's they truly captured that. Having him passed, and then all the time that it takes. Because when she was saying, she's like, my dad just died. Just like, yeah. died. I'm like, it's kind of been three weeks. Well, actually, no, it's been like a couple days for you. <laughs> yeah, We're getting like a whole full days. circle moment with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's about it for this edition of our Succession Recaps on Intercut Explains. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V as in Vienna for lunch, Venice for dinner, I-C-H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Movies on all the social medias or here reading the chat where someone said, did you notice the Scarface so much? I'm telling you, dude, I'm going to keep rewatching this episode and find a bunch of other things. Uh, But thanks to the Intercuties to watch every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Podcast Addict, whatever your favorite podcatcher is, I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio version, but to the video feed as well, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of our weekend must-watch streaming on the YouTube channel every Monday. And please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout out to those of you who do. Shout out to our listeners in Germany who put us on the film review charts out there. Uh, you can like our Facebook. You can follow our Instagram. You can follow our Twitter. You can also support our Patreon for as little as $1 a month and find all of those pages at 
Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut, as well as in the Discord, which you can find a link to in the description below. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, be warned, the Codheads are coming.